Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Nutrition is far beyond just protein and fat. That's basically two, you know, that's two nutrient classes um, out of six. There's always something to debate or argue in the dog world, but there's this one thing that's not up for debate. All hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear, not just for yourself, but for your dogs as well. Conkey's Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound related. Conkey's is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkey's Outdoors. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. Jojo, what's up? Nick, Thanksgiving week. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for all the turkey and, and the gravy and the stuffing? I'm looking forward to my nap already. <laughs> I think I'm going to uh, bust out at least... At least a couple pheasants that I got in the freezer, so we'll have Uh-oh. some we'll have some birds. We'll, we'll have yeah. a couple type of birds for uh, Thanksgiving. Well, we're headed to South Carolina, and I'm uh, I'm hoping to steal away and see if I can shoot some South Carolina quail while I'm there. But we'll see if I can find some time to do that and and uh, get the approval to leave the family stuff for a few hours here and there. Yeah, you were telling me. Hopefully, you can get uh, some more rabbit and some quail. That'd be great more rabbit yeah we'll see uh what'd you get into this weekend man you still just on baby watch oh man we're we're still waiting we're uh 39 weeks and like five days so yeah can't can't really do much because we don't want to any time now yeah i don't want to be in the position where i get the phone call and i'm not ready to go to the hospital so what about you (laughs) 
Oh, well, today was fun. Uh, really all weekend, but, you know, I went out and deer hunted a little bit over the weekend. No luck. Worked on the duck blind here and there, but today was a kind of a uh, busy day. Got up, went to finish working on the duck blind, getting that ready to go. Just adding a dog box to that. You, you've seen the duck blind. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, uh, kind of a rundown duck blind. Nothing special, but, you know, I'm going to make it work for at least this season and, See how the property acts before I go putting into too much time and money and energy into building a good duck blind. But while I was out there working on it, I look up and there's uh like two kids, ten year old kids, is like wandering the swamp. And I'm like, what is this? Like your and, swamp or is this- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I've never seen anybody out there, and I, I go up there to them and I'm like, hey, uh, so what's going on? And he was like, oh. I shot a buck and we can't find it. I'm like, okay, well, is your dad out here? And he's, yeah, he's over there. So I went over there and found his dad and talked to him. And what it was is a 10 year old kid. And, uh, he just got into hunting. He, he, he's in a family that apparently none of them are, are, uh, big hunters, but and, he shot his trust passing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, come to find out it, this is his first season hunting and he shot his first deer this morning and it was an eight, it was mm. an eight point buck that he's been following on game cameras for months and so wow, he's very been cool. up about it but uh they they'd been all out in this huge group of like kids it's like they had a small army looking for this buck <laughs> and they'd been looking for four or five hours and i'm like well you know I got a, I got a couple dogs back at the house. You know, one, she's tracked a couple easy deer tracks for me. I can, I can go bust her out if, uh, if you want me to. But, uh, if y'all have kind of muddied up the, the woods here, well, we've been trampsing through everywhere for the past four or five hours. I'm like, well, I mean, I can go let her out just see if she wins it. And so mm-hmm. I go grab Lucy and we head, o- head over to his property and he takes me to, uh, the only spot that they had blood and, and no joke, man, it it looked like an army of, I mean, just something just went through the woods. Like you couldn't tell which way was which. I I was like, well, where was the blood? And he went and he, I thought it was right here. And they, the kids had kicked up the leaves so bad. And I, oh. I just told him, like, look, odds are we're not going to find anything if y'all beat up the woods this bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, we can let her out and just see what, what we come across. And this is the first time I've met my neighbor's and uh so he's like yeah you know let's go and so we we got to know each other as we're walking through the woods for a few hours and along the way found a few woodcock and pointed and flushed them and it's it got to know him and he was like man what was that i was like that's woodcock (laughs) and he and uh long story short uh didn't find the deer but now i have uh permission to hunt a little bit further and find some more woodcock so uh yeah i I was hoping to get the kids first deer back for him but really after talking to them and and the area that he shot the deer how it was quartering towards him and everything and and i got to look at the blood i I don't think that he actually killed the deer i think he he shot it but i don't think it was a lethal hit so hopefully he gets another chance on that buck yeah i mean i think uh ranello posted not too long ago I, i saw in an email that there was a there was a buck missing about half of its back, and it was still just it was. I think yeah. he called it like a zombie buck, but I mean <laughs> that's a cool thing I think for hunter recruitment. You know, the fact that you weren't expecting to take someone along, seeing how your dog works, 
but now that guy has seen a, a good bird dog work and has seen how cool it is that, you know, he's got woodcock right in his backyard and it would have been well that's that's what was funny when when he took me to the blood i'm looking around i'm like man this is woodcock habitat i'm like you yeah. kick up a bunch of woodcock he goes oh no not down here and i i just kind of looked at him and i'm like all right he doesn't know what a woodcock is yeah and uh you could tell when it when the first one flushed up and uh he got to hear the wings whistling he kind of eyes real big i was like that's a woodcock and he's like oh and that's that's and, when uh, that's when you cook up some and bring them yeah, and yeah. Okay, like, hey. and so I told him at just right after that, I'm like, "So, have your boys gotten to shoot any uh, birds over some dogs?" You no, know, no. I was like, "Well, we got to make that happen." And uh, but yeah, so you you know we'll we'll see. But looks like I got a got a little more ground to be able to run the dogs right next door and find some more timber doodles, mud bats, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that's great. Well, Nick, so, what do we got? Uh, what do you got cooking on the podcast this week? We have Russ Kelly with Yukonuba to come on and talk about dog nutrition. And uh, Joe, you you kind of let the cat a little, a little bit out of the bag prematurely a few weeks ago, saying that we switched up our diets. But uh, <laughs> so we uh, we are partnered up with Yukonuba now, and so they're they're coming on board and they're gonna kind of speak to us about the importance of sports. Sports dog nutrition and uh, not really being sold by different marketing and just labels on bags and stuff like that. You know, uh, me and Joe, we're excited to be with Yukonuba and uh, we were always pure in a pro plan for years and years and years, but they came to us and asked if we'd like to switch. And I told them that, we, you know, we would consider it, but we had to test them out first. And so we, we've uh, been on them for what, close to two months now. Yeah, I think, and uh, dogs are really taken to it. They're they're enjoying it, and uh, yeah, it's it's been good to us so far. Yeah, I think the biggest difference, at least with Jack, is um, man, he is he hasn't been moving that much, or I mean, I mean, he runs around our yard and stuff and chases after squirrels right now. But man, uh, if you want to talk about muscular, he is way more than what he was on. And I I wasn't on Pro Plan; I was on a different Purina product. But man, just I think that extra protein in there, um, he is. I mean, I always make fun of him that he's jacked, but he, yeah. he, he is. And even <laughs> I've got a I've got a little twenty five pound pug, an Australian Shepherd <laughs> on that stuff, and they are on a overdrive. So we've been we've been really happy about it. And um, yep. again, I, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago that this is a podcast that you kind of have to listen to twice. This is a this is a podcast that you you're going to take some notes on because it is it's it's got a lot of information yep. and it's it, it I kind of relate it back to when when you're supposed to listen and learn and research about our own nutrition and all of us kind of suck at that right you know maybe it's not not the most intriguing or interesting or entertaining topic that uh, we want to spend our time on but it is it is important and it is informative and so uh, y- you can really get a lot of good information out of it and Russ is a uh, you'll hear he's he's got a lot of information to share he's been in it for for a while so uh, he's got a lot of good information to, so pay attention and hopefully you pick up something good on it yeah and one of the one of the big things that I think that sold us a little bit more is how invested they are in you know, the Upland community, the, the you know, the versatile uh, dog community, they are really wanting to invest a lot in that and are supporting, you know, people and brands um, who are doing that same thing. So if you guys have any questions that maybe weren't covered in this episode, we'd probably have Russ back or we'd have someone else 
you know, back on the podcast. We, so we can, can definitely find the answer for you. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I know that th- there will probably be some questions around that, or even if you have a little bit more questions around, you know, feeding your dog during season or, or extra supplements or anything like that, that's not covered in this episode, reach out to us. You know, we want to be ambassadors for Yukonuba. We believe in the product. Um, and we've seen it in our dogs, man. We, we, we've been really happy with the results. So I uh, yep. can't complain. Well, real quick, before we get to the episode, we got the uh, tip of the week. Actually got a few good uh, tips from some listeners over the last week. I threw it out on last week's episode. And hopefully after this one, if you have some uh, special tip of the trick or tip of the week that you want to share with everybody else, shoot them our way. And uh, yeah, I'll get to it, Joe, unless well, uh, you, you got anything else first. Well, I was about to say, I need to work on a theme song for this. <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you think on that while I share this tip. A so, little jingle, yeah. <laughs> uh so Russ Grimes wrote in with a, a pretty good tip on uh teaching his English cocker the uh stop to flush method. So he does a uh he lives in suburban neighborhood and he does a lot of morning walks and he while he was working on some stop to flush or sit to flush situations with his cocker on uh quail on the weekend. During the morning walks, he was realizing that his dog was kicking up a lot of birds in some shrub, uh, shrubbery area along the road on the morning walk. And he just thought to himself, man, this is a good opportunity for me to be able to work, work my dog on birds throughout the week and just really get more opportunities. And so what he actually did was he started every night going out and spreading wild bird seed into the six or eight different cover areas Mm -hmm. along their walk on their street to bait more birds into the places that she uh, hunts every morning. And so what he would do is he would walk the dog at heel and then release her to hunt each piece of the cover. And he was sitting there ready with the whistle to command her to sit as soon as the bird flush. And as soon as she set, then he she immediately got a bumper to retrieve and he said that they're just kind of been doing this for a short period of time but he can already tell it's going to help her get a lot more reps than just getting four or five pin raised bird on birds on saturdays and uh he's noticing that she's already probably a good you know one or two times better than what she was he said that she was you know she was at 25 percent of the time and now she's already at 50 percent of the time and so there you go. Just a morning walk. He figured out a way to make some birds in his suburban neighborhood work for him. And I think a lot of people could use that for, for their flushing dogs or, uh, you know, even pointing dogs if the situation works out right. Yeah. Training never stops, man. Especially no. when you, uh, you can't get into it all the time. The fact that you can go and kind of be constantly training your dog. We heard about that last week with uh, City Slicker Nick. Yep. That no matter, you know, the situation, you could be training your dog, which is really cool. Absolutely. So with that, next week, we'll catch you this week. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe. If you're out hunting, good luck. Be safe. Everybody have a great holiday. And uh, yeah, we'll check back next week. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. 
head on over to uglydogdistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another ugly dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an Ugly Dog at your side. Explore responsibly. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, everybody. We are joined this week with Russ Kelly of Yukonuba. Russ, how are you doing today? Doing well, Nick. Thank you. Yep. Go ahead and start uh, off by telling everybody where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Uh, so uh, I... I Originally grew up in uh, South Alabama. Um, uh, basically went to school, at, did all my education at Auburn University, so War Eagle. <laughs> and I, I've uh, resided in Ohio for the last 24, 24 years. Uh, moved up here. My wife and I moved up here from Auburn for work. And, uh, you know, had the, had the privilege of working in uh, R and D under the, you know, several of the IMS company, then P and G pet care, now Mars pet care, um, you know, for, for that period of time. And, and, uh, just recently moved over to the scientific service nutritionist role for the pro teams here in North America. Uh, you know, had really had a, a really wonderful time in, in R and D for the first 24 years. And, uh, Trying a, a slightly different role now, but uh, you know, still connected, still connected to the uh, uh, breeding dogs, and then the certain, certainly the working and sporting dogs. Okay, so what did, did you go to school uh, for this? You know, when you went to Auburn, did you get a degree that directly translated into R and D and nutrition and all that, or did you just fall into it? Well, you know, I, I'm going to say that. Uh, I, my training was was uh, in animal science, and uh, I focused focused a lot in terms of embryonic development, uh, but always had sort of nutritional components to the to the studies uh, that we were we were working on, um, and then really I'm going to say fell into the the first position the Imes company at the time for their upstream research group were. Uh, looking to expand their maternal and neonatal nutrition program, and um, 
you know, with that with that said, back back in that, those days, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of departments that were doing uh, dedicated companion animal work, um, and you know, I came up, interviewed for the for the role with the uh, strategic research group, and um, you know, they felt like it was a good fit. I felt like it was a good fit. Uh, so really, like you know, they got my start there, and. Uh, Doing some really nice work with with uh, several of the the colleagues, doing some milk replacer development and kernel uh, nutrition, and then moving on into the to the sporting and, and working dog segment. I had always had uh, sporting dogs. Uh, they this is my uh, what is this? That's like my forty forty fifth year of of having a, a sporting dog by my side. I've almost I, th- I don't think there's ever been a more than a, you know, I'm going to say a few months in my in that period of time where I haven't had a haven't had a sporting dog. Uh, so it was, let's say, a little bit of education from a from a school standpoint, and then uh, you know, personal personal interest in in terms of trying to learn about uh, sporting dogs when I was growing up, as as well as. To say I don't I don't view myself as being much different than anybody else. It's got a got a sporting or a working dog. We're always looking for more information that helps us have a better dog. So absolutely, I I just I had the I'm going to say I had the the good fortune of being able to do it for a living. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, before we really kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of nutrition and everything, you know, you mentioned that you you've had sporting dogs for 40 plus years what are you running right now and what's your preferred hunting and type of dog that you that you do nowadays yeah i mean i i really like upland hunting um right now i have a older english setter um female she's she's starting to to really show her age she's uh she's 14 and a half but uh Mm -hmm. she's still in really good she's she's still in really good shape and you know, she's she's certainly been a, a pleasure to have for for a long time. She's very you know a very instinctual hunter. It doesn't take a didn't take a whole lot in terms of, of getting her where she needed to be. And then I have a a young German short hair pointer, and I will not say the same about him. He's uh, <laughs> he, he's he's very he's very athletic, and uh, but I'm not you know I'm just not sure if he's going to make a good bird dog yet or not. But uh, he's certainly athletic, and uh, and he's fun to he's fun to work with. But uh, I won't say that he's got the the greatest of you know, greatest instincts of for a dog. But uh, he's certainly fun to work with, and uh, he's he's one that uh, I brought home from from work. Uh, we we had uh, a litter of, of German shorthairs in to, in the uh, office at the R and D center. But uh, they were just a little bit too wired in terms of, of living in that environment. Uh, so he came home with me and uh, and certainly, you know, I mean, he's showing promise, but uh, whether or not he's going to be a great dog or not is still, you know, that book, that, that chapter hasn't been written yet, but he's, uh, he's fun to work with. Yeah. And uh, over the years, you know, over the years I've had uh, uh, in terms of, of, the majority of my bird dogs have been setters. Uh, I have had the English pointer here and there, uh, but I do really like 
I do really like setters and in terms of my hunting style. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of, I'm going to say basically, you know, walk, walk hunting and, uh, the setters seem to, to fit, fit that style pretty well. Uh, and then I've also had, you know, uh, labs over the years, not necessarily that I did a, a tremendous amount of water, waterfowl hunting. I mean, I grew up in South Alabama where most of our, you know, most of the waterfowl was duck, uh, wood ducks, not, you know, not migratory ducks. We did go up to the Tennessee river every once in a while to do some, uh, open water hunting. But, uh, in, in terms of that, I, I, I did a lot of, I utilized them a lot for, for uh, dove retrieval and, uh, you know, had fun with those over the years. And then I, I raised, um, quite a few litters of, of labs as well. And, uh, they certainly are you know, one of my, one of my favorite breeds in terms of their, you know, their drive and intelligence and, and, uh, you know, companionship. They're, they're certainly a, a good dog to have around. For sure. Yeah. So you, your experience kind of spans all grounds with the dogs and, and, you know, I couldn't help but notice you, you said that you have a 14 and a half year old setter and it sounded like you're still hunting that, that dog. Is that yep. correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. She's so, still, uh, still lives. I mean, she's still really, really active. We, um, you know, in terms of, we don't necessarily live around uh, in this area. There's not you know, a lot of, a close opportunity. So we have to do a lot of traveling yeah. to, to, um, to do hunt, but I do, you know, I, I maintain them, uh, from a conditioning standpoint and work them. And, uh, you know, she puts in, you know, she puts a good, you know, good, you know, 30 to 40 miles in the field every week. And, nice. Uh, yeah. She's still, she's, she's still very, very, uh, uh, mobile and, and really good, good shape. She just can't, you know, she's just not, she's not doing it at the same pace that she did. She no, once did. No, she, she's no spring chicken, but you know, I'm going to go out on a yeah. limb here and say that you being as experienced and knowledgeable and, and, uh, sporting dog nutrition probably has a lot to do with the fact that she's still going, going strong at 14 and a half years old. Well, I'm getting older too, so I'm not going to hold it against <laughs> you that she slows down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that, you know, that really kind of leads right on into the, what we're here to talk about is nutrition because, you know, we, we all get these dogs and we want to have our dogs to be as healthy and live as long of a life that they can and continue to do what we love to do and what they love to do for as long as they can. And so just like your setter being 14 and a half years old, I think anybody that gets their dogs and works with them and and has that bond with them, they would like to think that their dogs, you know, will go that long as well. And so nutrition obviously plays a key role into that. Yeah. I I mean, absolutely. I think that, uh, I mean, we certainly, you know, I'm going to say we can't, nutrition is not going to likely be the largest contributor to that. I mean, their genetics is going to to play a, a, a really big role in terms of their longevity, but, uh, we certainly can we, we can certainly provide a, a our helping hand by providing you know really good nutrition and then also just you know helping properly manage the dogs you know we can't we can't expect them to uh you know sit around the house all the, you know not, you know 90% of the time and then take them out into the take them out into the field to 
expect them to, to be as productive as they, they could be, um, right. you know, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of her, I attribute, you know, her, her still being able to, to, uh, hunt, you know, at her, at her age is really, you know, got a lot to do with the fact that I, you know, we condition all year long, uh, not necessarily, you know, push to the max, but, um, you know, there's never, there's never a, a week where we're not out in the field with the dogs, you know, whether it's just free running or, or, uh, you know, doing some, doing some bird work, but, uh, you know, with that, keeping them in good shape all the, all the time and, and, uh, making sure that we're, we're, you know, providing the right nutrients for them, uh, at, you know, every time we, 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 uh, get ready to go out and work right. is really important. Absolutely. You know, poor nutrition, it's not going to overcome, uh, like you said, genetics or lifestyle, but it, it's very on up there to where you can either really extend the dog's life and, and health, or it can be a, a real big detriment. So with that being said, you know, talk to me, let's say that I'm just a brand new person. I have my first gun dog and, you know, you can go into any of these stores, pet stores, you know, markets, whatever, and you see an endless aisle of dog food and selection, you know, tell me what you would suggest. What are the priorities that I should be looking for in a dog food to make sure that I am getting that proper nutrition for my dog and setting them up for success? Yeah, I mean, and, and Nick, you raise a really, I mean, you raise a really good point in terms of, of like, for for the new new dog owner to walk into a store to pick out a food, it is a really daunting task. Yeah, and uh, you know, and we look and you know, in terms of whether it's through print ads or or television ads or you know, just simply you know, going through the store and looking, um, you know, there is a lot of products that look a lot alike. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of that and and being able to. To evaluate which which brand to work with and trust uh, is is really tough. I mean, in terms of that, because there's just so there's there's limitations as to how much you know, information that companies can legally uh, share. And you know, I I would say the best place to start uh, as a new you know if someone is is brand new is you know do some do some investigation find. Uh, you know, find someone that that has been, you know, had dogs of your, you know, similar to your your dog, your new dog, uh, that they've, you know, they've been in the game for for a while, and talk to them about, you know, in terms of what food, what foods they found have worked for them, um, you know, what brands they trust, uh, because, you know, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but there is very there is very little that a consumer can evaluate from a, from a package to determine, is this a good food or not? Right. You know, and it's just, that's an unfortunate reality. Um, but you know, really, you know, in terms of myself, I'm in terms of when it, when I look at a bag and read a bag, uh, you know, I can make some broad, uh, broad interpretations as to whether I feel like this is a, a you know, a good diet or not, but that only gets me so far. I mean, really until, until I have more information or I have tried that product, you know, just reading the package only gets me so much information. And, and certainly from a, 
I'm going to say from an industry standpoint, uh, as a nutritionist, it, it really is disappointing that, you know, the last decade or so, there's been this huge, huge push of basically trying to link ingredient name to quality. And uh, with, with that said, it, you know, it, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, you know, we, as a nutritionist, we're really concerned about what nutrients we are providing to a dog. And those ingredients are just vectors uh, for nutrients. And you know, in, in terms of that, there's no, there's no guarantee uh, that you know an ingredient named X, you know, provides uh, the nutrients that the, that the dog needs. And certainly, from a standpoint of that becoming a very prominent way of conversation within the within the the advertising marketing world, it, it really is disappointing uh, from a, a standpoint that. You know, certain certain ingredients have have been labeled as as being bad. Which, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, uh, nothing could be food. Right. If we look at you know if we look at like I mean I I'll use an example, you know, chicken versus product meal. Um, you know, current current thinking is that that you know chicken is the you know is the the top top material you know top quality material there. And it can be but that we just have to we have to understand that there are lots of different grades of chicken. They're all labeled chicken. There are lots of different grades of chicken byproduct meal, all labeled chicken byproduct meal. Yeah. Um, but if we if you know, with that said, some of those are are very good. Some of those are very bad. Uh, I shouldn't say very bad. Very poor when it comes to digestibility. When we, you know, when we think about protein sources, uh, from a quality standpoint, we, we think two, two areas, uh, A, the digestibility of that material, and then B, the amino acid profile of that material. What we're looking for when, when we say a quality protein, what we're, what we're getting to is a, a highly digestible protein source with a really robust, rich Acid profile, right? That's, you know, that's what we're that's what we're basically providing protein for. We're not really providing protein because the dog, uh, you know, requires uh, protein. It requires amino acids. So essentially, to touch on that a little bit more. So what you're saying is, you know, back to the to the marketing and everything, and kind of getting through how people are marketing and claiming the importance of this ingredient versus that ingredient, you know, over the years you hear all, all the time over the, especially the last four or five years is check the f- first ingredient on the list. And if it's not actual chicken or actual, you know, beef or whatever, that if it says byproduct, that's bad. And so what you're saying is really the byproduct is really more nutritional available and digestible in a lot of cases, if if you're if you're dealing with the right ingredients for the byproduct, well, if you're, I mean, if you if we're if we're talking, let's just say that we have you know, in the general sense, in the broad sense, if we have chicken and we have chicken byproduct meal, both equal in terms of digestibility, 
then from an amino acid standpoint, the chicken byproduct meal will, in the majority of cases, be uh, more nutritious from a standpoint that it will, will have higher concentrations of the essential amino acids the byproduct meal does incorporate the internal organs, which are very, very rich when it comes to the uh, essential amino acids and essential fatty acids, much more than skeleton, uh, skeletal muscle. Gotcha. You know, in terms of that, if you think about like painting like the, the cardiac tissue or liver or, or some of the other internal organs, those are very, very rich sources of essential amino acids and essential uh, so in terms of in terms of that we can't just we can't just simply say we see this on the the label you know in first you know, the first ingredient on the deck that tells us what we need to know about quality that's you know it's just simply not true yeah so you know, so to rephrase that even in another way just make sure that I'm tracking and in everyday you know, just normal guy, uh, language for me. What I'm hearing is, for example, if you take five pounds of your, of chicken byproduct and five pounds of chicken, if you just have the chicken, then you're getting a lot of that skeletal muscle and everything that may not be as nutritional rich and, and the amino acids and everything, but the byproduct might have even more nutrition in it because you're using select pieces from the chicken and not just the entire chicken. Is it, am I understanding that correct? Well, I think, yeah, and I think that with that said, Nick, though, I mean, that's that's basically positioning when they have the same sort of bioavailability or digestibility index. Uh, you know, with that, imagine that in terms of, you know, let's just take chicken, uh, chicken meal. Uh, we, in terms of the, the chicken meal that's uh, available for use, that that material may have a, you know, a 90% digestible, or it could be as, you know, it could be down into the 60s in terms of percentage of digestibility. And the same can be said for the for the chicken byproduct meal. So with that, you know, we can have a, a we can have a chicken byproduct meal that's, that's really, really high in terms of digestibility with a really nice amino acid uh, profile. And it does a great job of supporting that dog's nutritional needs. In contrast to that, we can have chicken uh, that has a really low digestibility index. It looks good on the label, mm -hmm. uh, but it does a poor job of supporting that dog's nutritional needs. We, if we think about, let's just use you know, use crude numbers. I can provide a, I could, I could provide a diet that's thirty percent protein to a dog, and it have really low protein digestibility and basically the dog, you know, verge on being pro uh, amino acid deficient because of the, the lack of digestibility. So but like I said, it's unfortunate for the consumer that there's little, there's little way that they can read a bag. Just, and, and I'm no different. If I, if I just go and buy a bag that tells me very little about the product. And I think that's, you know, bottom line is they, you know, people that have, especially a new new owner, talk to people, understand, you know, what what other people are using. Um, you know, every every company has number, uh, you know, a, a customer care number. 
on the package. Call and try to develop a relationship with the with the company. And uh, you know, if it, if you don't get a good feeling from the from the uh, from the that, you know company, then then move on. Because I think most companies that are that are credible um, will will basically provide information to the to the customers. Uh, they want to work with them. They want to provide them what information or you know, other, I'm going to say some of the, the these little big brands may not, yeah. they may not have the information or may not be wanting to, to share it. And I think it is one of those where, um, you know, we all want the best for our dogs. And right. I think, you know, with, with that, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily at, um, you know, until they develop that relationship with the company, um, you know, can you just, with the saying, good, you know, without any concern, just go to the store, buy a product off the shelf, bring it home, feed it to your dog, and feel good about it? Because, you know, there there are some, there are a lot of good products out on the market, and then there's there's not there's a lot of products that aren't, you know, that they have very good marketing, but they they simply don't perform from a nutritional standpoint. Right. And so, you know, let's, let's go back to the first time dog owner standing in the middle of the aisle, confused to know which bag to grab, you know, not only are they swimming through marketing gimmicks and, you know, don't, don't eat the, don't choose this because of this, don't choose that because of that. Uh, you know, and then the average person isn't going to have the knowledge to really be able to look at the ingredient list until, like you said, you have the knowledge and you can't even get the full picture of it. So let's put right. it in terms to where the average person might be able to really be able to see in their dog if the dog is getting correct nutrition or not. What are some of the signs that your dog is getting the right nutrition? What are the signs that they're not? You know, is, are we just looking at, you know, the type of stool and how they're digesting or how quick they want to eat or energy levels, you know, talk, talk to us about the common signs of the dog. Yeah, I think, well, I, I mean, I think in terms of, uh, you know, visually there are, there are generally two, two really good things that we can use in terms of how well a dog is doing. And you mentioned one stool scores, you know, the, the quality of a, of a dog species does tell us a lot about the, the food that they're getting. Uh, if we, if we're having to, to uh, clean up massive piles of, of feces <laughs> or, uh, you know, take a water hose to, to clean the kennel or our dog box, you know, every time we, we go somewhere with the dog, you know, that's certainly not a, a good indication that, that things are going well. And then the others, uh, Really, the the skin and coat health is a is a really good window into to how well a diet is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the the coat of a of a dog and skin uh, it is a really a pretty high percentage of the protein requirement for a dog. So when you know when the the amino acid delivery or the protein delivery uh, is not doing well. Uh, that that coat starts to take on that you know a dull kind of a, a a flat flat visual appearance or uh, perhaps you know just a tremendous amount of shedding or uh, you know kind of dry itchy skin 
Um, you know, all of those are basically windows that we can we can glance at and say, how's how's the product doing? And I, and I think we've all you know, we all we all all have a, a good idea when we see that. You know, particularly like a, a black lab, you know, there's no there's no question when when they have that that you know really glossy, old looking finish in terms of their coat. Yeah. Um, but at the, you know, at the same time, we can see it in our upland dogs as as well. You know, whether we're we're talking about a uh, you know a setter or or a pointer. Um, you know, both of those, we can we can get a good idea in terms of how how well their their coats look. That really gives us a, a lot of you know a, a, it gives us a, some good insights, not necessarily uh, absolutes, but it gives us good insights. And then I think the other thing too is is really in terms of like the the energy that the the dog is is showing, particularly on a I'm going to say as we're we're working them more and more. Um, you know, if, if our food is doing a, a good job in terms of our dogs, uh, you know, you'll see that you'll see that dog sort of bounce back real quick. It may be tired at the end of the day. Um, we, you know, we bring it home, we, we feed it, we water it, get it good hydrated. Uh, you know, we get it back out the next day. You know, that dog's that dog's got good energy. Uh, it's recovered well. It's ready to go. Uh, but you know, if we we take it somewhere and it's still, you know, basically it's, it's sort of, you know, we have a hard time differentiating between whether we're, we're working for the dog or, or it's out in front of us, you know, in terms of that, if it's just walking along beside us, you know, maybe, maybe that food's not doing a, a good job in terms of providing the nutrients they need. Right. But, but I, I think, you know, in terms of just the, the, the two big things that, you know, just about anybody can pick up on whether they're new, new dog owners or not. It's really the quality of the, of the fecal scores. And there's, you know, plenty of guides on online available to them on the internet in terms of, of how to, how to go about grading their stool scores and then the, the, the skin and coat. Gotcha. Certainly, you know, certainly anybody that's got a, you know, a, a sporting dog or a working dog, you know, we should be paying attention to their fecal scores every day because we do take them to a lot of different places. And, uh, you know, when they're, and they're doing off leash, you know, they're doing off leash work, but we don't, you know, we don't physically have them observing them at all times. If they're out in the, you know, out in the, the woods or if they're out in the, the field, uh, they, they can stumble across something that, and they do explore the world with their mouths. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they, you know, maybe they drink some standing water that that uh, they shouldn't have, or or maybe they they come across something that that uh, kind of you know potentially could could uh, lead to some you know GI problems. Yeah, and we want to you know we want to get a hold of those, uh, you know, get get those straightened out as quick as possible. So I mean, really, you know, in terms of that, they should be they should be paying attention to the fecal scores every day. And uh, if they see something that's not typical for the dog, uh, then you know we want to pay close attention to that. And if it, and if it's not, you know, if it's not uh, correcting itself, then you know we need to get into the to the veterinary and let them check the dog out uh, to make sure that they haven't gotten you know gotten in something that uh, could end up you know developing into a health issue. Absolutely, no, that that's a very good point and. That is probably the easiest and probably quickest way to, to 
kind of see if your dog's di- you know having digestion issues or anything is that fecal score and everything uh let let's move on to you know even like we were just talking about in the supermarket not even just picking your brand but even within the brand you have so many different formulas so you know you, yeah, you're yeah. with Eukanuba, so you can easily you know you can talk about all the different formulas how do we go about trying to figure out the correct formula for our dog is it is it really just the fat protein ratio based on the activity level or is there more to it than that no i mean and and and, and nick i'm going to just basically say i mean we're me currently i'm developing a, a series of newsletters right now that basically to try to address that nutrition is far beyond just protein and fat i mean that's right. basically two you know, that's two nutrient classes um, out of six. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that's just because it's on the front of every bag of every label. Right. That's what everybody right. talks about is, you know, it doesn't matter which brand they're on. It's just, it's on 3020. Right. Oh, it's on 2616, what, whatever. And it's like, those are the only two things you hear from everybody is the protein fat. Right. Yeah. No, in, 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 in terms of that, I mean, really what we're, you know, when, <laughs> If we, if we start talking about from an energy standpoint, and that's just really, you know, I'm going to say maybe one of the best, best points to start as to how much energy is my dog using uh, every day. And uh, this will help us sort of get to, get to that point as to what food we, we look for. So in terms of like, uh, you know, introducing like our performance line, we, we offer four, four different formulas in our performance line, we offer a uh, 2113 Sprint, and that that product is really a, 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 a the uh, predominant calorie delivery. There is a carbohydrate system, and we do that intentionally from a, a standpoint that those dogs are are primarily utilizing anaerobic metabolism to, uh, for their energy. So, in terms of that, they they you know they don't work. Very few of those uh, will have activities that last beyond you know, just a few minutes. Uh, but in terms of when they when they come off the line, they, it is super intense, you know, super super fast, but not not long in duration. Uh, so mm-hmm. with that, they're they're utilizing a lot of of glucose or or branch chain amino acids in terms of driving that, that metabolism. And then it's, it's all, you know, it's all shut down in just a few minutes. Uh, So with that, we're providing those dogs, uh, I'm going to say high level of of carbohydrates that they need to provide the glucose um, to to drive that muscle contraction uh, during those first few minutes of, of activity. And then we move up into what our exercise product, which is our 2616 exercise. And that that product is designed for, you know, I'm going to say the recreational recreational users uh, or, you know, hunters or you know, people who are active with their dog. Perhaps they, you know, they jog with their dog or, or have their dog accompany them on, on long hikes. And then our, our 3020 sport. And this is really probably the the product that's going to be would be most utilized in the sporting sporting dog arena. This is you know dogs that are going to be 
you know, out there three, four, three, four hours at the time in terms of, of heavy activity. And then we have the 3028 work product, which is the highest density, caloric density diet that we have, you know, some 550 calories per, per cup. But it's really that's intended to those to to be used by dogs who are doing some some really long endurance work, such as a you know such as a, like a sled dog. Gotcha. Um, you know those 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 dogs that are working you know four four plus hours uh, out in the out in the field. Um, the and, and why we we have yeah, and and in terms of that, when we have when we talk about these these hours of of activity, you know, this is really a like a feeding guideline, it's really a guideline. I mean, it's the total, it's the total amount of work that a, that a dog does that's really driving which formula, you know, it best, that's need. We can't really use just a, like a day of competition. If we, if we go to some of the like competitive dogs, yeah. you know, if we look at like a, you know, if we look like a field retriever, we think about the, the day that they're, they're competing that may be the that may be the easiest day they have from a physical demand standpoint. The training, the training that they're doing may be far more nutritionally challenged than the day of competition. Yeah. So we, we you know we have to be careful in terms of, of when we read these guidelines. You know, we we have to take into the to the uh, consideration the full full activities of those dogs. Well, that, that, that was kind of going to be my next question is, you know, I, I've read on the website, you know, you ha- you have the time frame built out on each one of these formulas on the website if people are curious. Right. How do I go about, say I'm just your average weekend warrior type hunter, you know, I have a day job, I have kids, I have a family at the house. And, you know, say it's, it's this time of year to where the sun goes down quick. I don't have time to really work them during the week, but on the weekends they're going to be hunting and they're going to be hunting hard. You know, how do I take that into consideration to where maybe, you know, for half a week or the majority of the week, the activity level is kind of low. And then on the weekends it's kind of high. You know, we're not, you're not saying that we need to switch formulas. Is it a matter of just maybe feeding them less well, during the non-active days and more when they, when they're using that energy, how would you go about balancing that? Yeah, I think, in, yeah, I mean, in terms of, in, ter- in terms of that, we want to really look at like sort of what is the, the big picture look like in terms of how much energy they are using. Um, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, let's take let's take that situation where you you described. I'm getting, you know, maybe I'm only getting thirty, you know, thirty or forty minutes uh, through the week uh, in terms of, of being active with the dog, or perhaps more of it's, you know, more of it during the week is their behavioral sort of obedience type work. We're we're just sort of, you know, keeping the edge off of them until we can get out on Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's really Saturday morning and Sunday morning that are, are Saturday and Sunday that is going to drive the, the energy requirements for that dog. Right. And, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of that, I would, I would basically look at it from a, a standpoint that am I going to go out for, you know, maybe two hours on Saturday and two hours on, on Sunday afternoon. And with that, you know, probably for our formulas anyway, exercise is probably a great fit. 
you know, in terms of that, it's a, it's a, uh, a nice, you know, nice distribution between uh, calories from a, from a, a, a fat cal- uh, protein and lit and carbohydrate standpoint. But if I'm going to be, you know, if I'm going to go all day on Saturday and half a day on Sunday, um, you know, I'm going to look at that and say, well, most likely I'm going to need to, to, to go up to sport because, you know, I, I basically want to have my, that my, I want my dog to have the energy to go all day on Saturday. Right. Um, you know, and there are, there are cases where if that's not going to happen every weekend, Nick, if it's just a, you know, a, a weekend here and there that that's going to happen. Um, then again, I think, you know, you look at it and you say, what is the, the average, you know, what is, what is the average need of my dogs? And that exercise product may be, may be the answer. And I'll give you an example. I'll use my dogs, uh, as an example. So I condition my dogs pretty, pretty hard, but we're not, you know, we're not getting a lot of days where, we're out there for much more than, you know, a couple of hours at the time. Yeah. And I use, I use exercise with my dogs. They do really, really well, but there are times where I may be going up to, you know, Michigan, or I may be going to, to New York or, you know, somewhere for a, for a week to 10 days at the time. And, and if that's the case, I'm going to be in the field for a lot longer than what I, I, I normally I'm able to do, but what I may do, you know, in anticipation of that trip is about a week, you know, week to 10 days ahead of time. I may make that transition over to a more nutrient dense formula. And then, uh, once, once I, once I get back, then I will retransition them down for that because I don't want to, and I don't want to get on the road and have to, uh, you know, increase double the amount of food that I'm, I'm feeding those dogs, uh, because that just, you know, potentially causes GI problems. And I want to do whatever I can to, you know, preserve the, uh, preserve the hydration status. That's a, you know, anytime we have dogs that have, you know, loose stools, uh, diarrhea, you know, they're losing, they're losing water. Um, and that, that is really the most, you know, it is the most critical of all nutrients is their hydration status. Uh, anything, you know, anything I can do to preserve hydration status, I want to do that. Okay. Uh, so, you know, with that, if I'm going to be, you know, if I'm going to be dramatically increasing the amount of work that I'm going to be putting on my dogs, I will take a look at that and say, you know, well, you know, if I'm feeding, you know, let's just, you know, I'll use, a, I'm, I'm feeding three three cups of food a day of exercise and I'm getting ready to go up for, you know, a 10 day period for, for some pretty intense work. Um, you know, I don't want to go up to five or six cups of, of that food to, to meet the energy needs. I would much rather be able to, to stay with a, you know, a three, three cup, of, you know, three to four cup period, not to exceed that. Um, so, you know, with that, I may go ahead and switch over, up to our sport formula for that, you know, 20 day period, uh, you know, 10 days before, and then slowly, you know, slowly transition them again on the, on the, uh, backside. Okay. So, but it really comes down in terms of our formulas, 
it really comes down to how much energy is that, you know, that dog using. I mean, we basically want to, you know, we want to basically stay in, you know, in that three, four, five cup per day uh, volume. We don't want to, you know, we don't want someone having to feed, you know, six or seven or eight cups of food to a dog trying to, to try to keep weight on it. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we're, you know, I, I'm going to basically say, I think a good, a good ballpark figure is if you're having to feed more than five or more than four cups of food a day, you know, should work with work, you know, work with someone to determine would it be better to, to move up to the, to the next level? Uh, because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to have these large volumes of food trying to go through the GI tract. Right. And then, but we don't want too little. No, absolutely. And so that kind of stems into my next question. You know, you hear all the time, it's better to split your dog's feeding feedings up into two a day, one in the morning, one in the evening. Or you know, a lot of people say yep. that there's really no benefit to that to just keep it one feeding in the, in the evening. But to your yep. point, just then you don't want to feed them too much all at one time. What's, what do you suggest on that? Yep. What's, is it better to split it up or keep it under one? Well, and I will say, I mean, in terms from a, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, I, I you know, multiple, multiple meals per day is the, the best route. Uh, but with that said, we have to be, it has to be manageable too. Uh, you know, with that, you know, with that, depending upon, you know, what the scenario is, you know, we don't, we certainly don't want to feed a dog a meal and then, you know, load it on the truck and, and, you know, within 15 minutes after finishing that, that meal, you know, we've got the dog out trying to, to make it work. That's yeah. not, a, you know, that's not a good, that's not a good scenario. I mean, I, I personally try to do, you know, a small meal in the morning and a, a larger meal in the afternoon. I, I, I try to go one third and, and two thirds in okay. terms of the meal size. And I try to do a, you know, the morning, morning meal, I try to do at least an hour, uh, before any activity. If, uh, you know, if, if there's going to be times where I need it to be quicker than that, uh, you know, I may only offer just a small snack in the morning, but I, I, I never take one out without at least doing a snack. Okay. Uh, if you can get, you know, if you've got a, if you have the ability to, to feed it, you know, a couple of hours, uh, ahead of time, that's that's even better. Um, but you know, I I I basically do. I use sort of an hour as the minimum, absolute minimum. If I can't give them more than a you know an hour or more, then I just do a small snack. Um, you know, and, and when I say that, it it may be only a, you know a half of that that third. Yeah. And then um, and then I may I may do them another. You know, I may break the evening meal up into two, not necessarily one big meal, but, uh, you know, basically do like a half and half to, uh, at night. Gotcha. You know, and the other, the other thing on that, on that, that backside too, uh, Nick is making sure that, that the dog is, is really cooled down and has adequately hydrated, uh, after, after they've been working. Uh, you know, certainly we don't want to, don't don't just pick the dog up off the ground and, and go ahead and feed it right then. 
let it cool down for a little really, bit and level back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then from that hydration standpoint, particularly on days where I know I'm going to be working my dogs pretty hard, is I I offer my food as a as a float feed and point not necessarily at you know this is not soaking the food. It's simply just uh, using equal parts water, equal parts food. So if I if I give it you know two cups of food. I, I just pour two cups of water on top of that, mm. and and make sh- to make sure that the the dog is is I'm encouraging them to drink as much as they can. Yeah, and I, I've seen of, I've seen that work with some really picky eaters too. You know, it kind of forms a little gravy, and they they'll eat that up real quick. If you have one of those dogs that doesn't travel well, doesn't like to eat because it's stressed out from traveling, just mixing in some water and making that little gravy, it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, doing that, and uh, and you know the other thing is some you know particularly these these high dri- higher high drive dogs, you know, some of them don't drink very well, right? Um, and uh, you know we really have to do a, a say in terms of where dogs get in trouble. Dehydration is probably um, you know get them it can get them in trouble quicker than any anything else. Uh, so if we have dogs that don't that that are not great not great hydrators we can use a little you know we can float feed like we just talked about but we can also use like some a little dollop of of wet food to put into a a, you know water bucket or something like that it's called baiting water baiting and uh, a lot of times that will will entice the dog to drink a lot Uh, i think it's important for you know, particularly if someone is is um, new to it, and then we talked about a you know person with a new dog. If they're mm-hmm. if they're new to this area, it really is important for them to understand how much water is my dog drinking, where I can I can keep up with that. Because, like I said, a lot of the these high drive dogs they don't do a good job of self hydrating, no. and we have to we have to make sure that they are. Um, you know, I use a from the from the time I get a a puppy, uh, I I get them used to sort of drinking out of a, a little squirt bottle. Yep. And uh, you know, I don't go anywhere with you know in terms of that. If I if I'm out there with my dog, I've got a squirt bottle full of water, and uh, I don't necessarily you know need them to drink from it. But uh, you know, particularly when it's pretty warm and, and we're working pretty hard, you know, I bring them in. I bring them in to me, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, and I take that squirt bottle in. If nothing else, I'm washing that, you know, real thick saliva yeah. you know, out of their mouths. Because in in terms of that, if we think about the, you know, the dog is dissipating most of its heat through through respiration through its mouth, and that, you know, thick saliva can be be like an insulation layer. Yeah. And, uh, I want to, you know, I want to get that cleaned out uh, where the dog is able to dissipate as much heat as, as possible. But, it, you know, he's also going to get a little bit of water just through that. Um, you know, but it is re- it, it really is important to, to think about in terms of, you know, how much you ask people, how much water does your dog drink every day? And most people can't tell you, you know, right. they'll say, oh, he's a good drinker. They don't really know how much is he drinking, uh, but it is important, particularly for for someone that's new or you've got a new dog. 
to at least do you understand sort of the dog's characteristics and personality? You know, how good of a drinker is he? Yep. I like to, to sort of keep up with with how much you know how much water is the dog using you know, on average every day. Yeah. Now it makes sense, and it just goes back to a lot of other things that we've already talked about. Kind of pay attention, know your dog, and huh? squirt, squirt bottles is an easy way to keep up with it because if you know, okay, I have two squirt bottles this size, and by the end of a walk or a hunt, I'm out of that, then I know we use that much water. Uh, so it is kind right. of an easy yeah. way to keep up with that with it without you having to measure out measuring cups throughout the day and all that. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So real quick, you know, I, I got a few quick questions for you. You know, we can do a little lightning round or something. You know, there's there's a few things that we've all heard around the tailgate or other people and other dog owners that that you'll hear them claim about their dog. So I just I want to kind of get your thoughts real quick on some of this stuff. And I think the, the, the first one that I think we've all heard the most of is, you know, the person that says, you know, Puppy food is a gimmick that just makes food companies more money because it's more expensive. Is puppy food uh, a necessity or are some of these all, all life cycles or adult feed good enough for a puppy? Yeah. So in, in terms of that, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to basically sort of qualify that in two ways. I'm going to basically take in terms of uh, a developing puppy the growing puppy is very, very different from the adult dog in terms of their ability to, to digest nutrients, the, the type of nutrients that they they need. Um, you know, in terms of if we take, you know, immune systems, so uh, the, the majority, and I won't say, you know, every puppy food out there, but I'll say all of our puppy food, whether we're talking Volcanine brand or we're talking Yukonuba brand, have antioxidant systems that promote uh, the the you know, optimal immune uh, health. And you know, with that, if you if you look at like the level of new, of those nutrients needed by a puppy versus the adult, the the puppy needs more uh, because they have underdeveloped immune systems and we have to give a, you know, a more of a helping hand yeah. uh, than we do with the, with the adult. Uh, if we look at the digestive systems of a puppy, uh, particularly young puppies, um, you know, they certainly are not capable of, of the same digestion as a, as an adult dog in terms of, of breaking down nutrients. So we have to provide slightly different formulations uh, when it comes to to, to, you know, to the young, particularly the young puppy, um, and then you you ask about in terms of the, the all life stage uh, products, I'll give you an examples where I do feel like that that you may have to go to one of those situations with a puppy. Uh, so if we take like our large breed puppy formula, which is designed to to basically uh, slow the growth rate down of a dog. So it is a, it is in, you know, a puppy food that's really intended to, to slow that growth rate down to, to basically uh, maximize like the skeletal health of that animal. Mm-hmm. We, if we get that, you know, let's just say we've got a, you know, a, a Labrador puppy or we've got a, a German short hair puppy or, or a setter 
that's six months old, and now we're going to start trying to to do some physical training with that with that dog. That large breed puppy formula may not be energy dense enough to support those physical that you know the physical demands that we're putting on that puppy, and we at that point we are far better. Uh, off to, to you know transition that puppy over to an all life stage uh, puppy food or a, a, a much more caloric dense uh, puppy food than what we we offer with our large breed puppy because you know we don't want to we don't want to end up having to feed that puppy you know seven or eight cups of food a day to try to get it to to continue to grow or maintain you know good body condition score simply because we're now starting to physically work that, that puppy. Um, you know, so in terms of that, that situation, we're, we're basically needing to provide more nutrition, more energy because the puppy is still growing, but we are also putting physical demands an energy uh, standpoint on that, on that puppy. But, you know, to answer your question, puppy foods are not, you know, they are not gimmicks. They are, um, you know, they are designed to specifically develop or to support the nutritional needs of that developing animal. Uh, simply, you know, same as, you know, I'm going to say in terms of, of uh, you know, anytime we, we start talking about, you know, a growing animal, whether it's, you know, a dog or, or a horse or, you know, whatever, us even, um, you know, the exact nutritional needs are not the same, right? Um, you know, particularly from, a, you know, if we look at like the, uh, you know, some of the fatty acids, um, fatty acids in diets, um, DHA, I'm, I'm sure, you know, most people have seen that on the package, docosahexaenoic acid, you know, that particular fatty acid is one that's very, very important for, uh, the neurological development So the, the, the you know neurological tissues that are are de- developing, that is a, a really critical compo- uh, nutrient for those tissues. And you know our puppy foods and uh, a lot of you know I'm gonna say the really good brands of food out there, you know they provided elevated levels of this DHA in the puppy food specifically because the puppies are doing a lot of neurological development. No, it makes sense. Uh, so, Definitely does. Uh, well, let's move on to the next one. You know, we yep. hear all the time of somebody saying that their dog is a picky eater. It won't eat, insert whatever brand. You know, it won't eat Yukonuba. It won't eat Purina. And it, they kind of contribute it to all their different formulas. We touched on <laughs> possibly adding some some water to the food or some some wet food. What What would you say to the people with picky eaters and some tricks to get them to to eat it or, you know, just, is it really the dog is a picky eater or is it something different? Yeah. And I, I guess in terms of that, my first advice is going to be to, to, um, you know, not, not take it, not to take it, uh, I'm going to say lightly in terms of just attributing it to being a picky eater. Um, that's one of those situations where if the dog is not eating, it could be the, you know, it could be the sign of some other health problem. So, you know, I, you know, 
I don't want somebody to make light of it without getting into their, you know, see their veterinarian and making sure that the, the dog, there's nothing else going on with the dog. Yeah. Uh, but certainly there, you know, we know that there are situations where, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, the dogs, doesn't, a, a specific dog doesn't like the, the palatate that's being used on the, on a, you know, specific formula or, or perhaps the, t- the texture of the food. You know, all of those situations we know do uh, do exist. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just a matter of, of you know, basically maybe maybe just offer or adding a little warm water, not hot, but warm water uh, to the to the uh, food, and and that you know that's enough to entice the dog. Uh, but certainly, um, I'm going to say in terms of one thing to keep in mind is if a dog won't eat a formula it's not doing them any good. Right. You know, it is, it is one of those, we have to, we have to uh, be able to provide a, a product uh, to our dog that the dog will consume. And, um, you know, I'm going to basically say that using the old, the old approach of he'll eat when he gets hungry. That's exactly what I was that, about to say. <laughs> that's not you know, that's, that's probably not the route that you want to go. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, from, from, to piggyback on that and from, from my experience, most of the people that you hear that from, when you see them feed their dog, they're, they're either free feeding the dog to where the dog has food in the bowl all day, every day. So whenever it gets hungry, it'll go eat. So it's very hard to get the dog on an eating routine when you go on a trip or anything, or right. you see the person drastically overfeed the dog to where it's like I tell them like maybe your dog's just not hungry right now because you fed right. them freaking 15 cups yesterday and so you know it it I, I think it's it's a matter of balancing out the right ratio and then also you know free feeding the dog throughout the day and to your point if the dog's hungry it'll eat but uh you know maybe don't go starving your dog four days in a row uh, thinking that it'll eat eventually. Yeah. Well, and I think the, you know, the other thing with that too is that uh, I I have seen I I've seen people that were let's just say it was entertaining. I mean, you know, we we have a dog that's overweight. Um, you know, when you look and you see, you know, they're adding this to the food, they're adding this to the food, and you ask them about it and they say, well, you know, we won't eat unless I add this to it. And, and it's like, you know, the dog's 15 pounds overweight. It's eating something. <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, it could be that, that, uh, you know, that situation where, you know, simply the, the, the dog is not hungry because he's already eaten what he needed. Um, but he's willing to eat more if you, you know, if for the interaction, Right. You know, in terms of that, I I like. Uh, I know you didn't ask about it, you know, but I will throw it out there. You know, like for the uh, for the for the uh, lactating dog, you know, I really like multi meals versus this, uh, you know, free choice food all day long. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to say in terms of you know nine out of ten times, if I interact by offering a meal to a dog they will consume more that route than just it's left on their own to consume what they want. Um, you know, and, and if I, 
if I'm sitting there with, with a, you know, a dog who basically struggles they're, you know, we, they're out there, there's dogs that struggle to maintain, uh, weight. And instead of, you know, free choice food, I'm probably going to try to find a way of offering one more meal. Yeah. Uh, if I can work it in, if I can work it into my system, um, you know, I'm going to try to find it, you know, maybe it's a dinner, you know, evening meal, a at five thirty, evening meal B at seven thirty. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, basically try to go something along those lines to try to get one more, one more meal in the dog, without asking it to eat, you know, this big, you know, five or six cup of food at one time. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's close out with uh, with one that kind of sums up with what you guys and Yukonuba really stands for. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody around the tailgate say, "Oh, you know, my dog's fifteen years old, and I just fed it the cheapest dog food I could find at the at the local store, and it doesn't matter about the brand that it's a dog. You know, it's, dog food is dog food, and a dog will eat it." So. You know, what's the benefits of going with a proven brand that's been doing this for decades and, and science-backed research and, and R&D with what you do? You know, it, how do you kind of convince the person uh, or your average dog owner that quality dog food matters? Well, I think, you know, I'm going to say, and there's no, there is no doubt that those exceptions do exist where, you know, a dog has been fed uh, let's just say suboptimal nutrition and it, you know, it, it lasted, you know, lived 15 years and, and, and it was really healthy. You know, that's not the case for the vast majority of you know, nutrition. Good nutrition matters in terms of, of the longevity and the, and the performance of these dogs, not only, you know, not only when they're 10 years old, but when they're one year old and they're two year old and they're three year old, uh, you know, good nutrition does, does matter. And, uh, you know, with that, it, it is, it is one of those where it's difficult to see day in, day out. Uh, but in the, you know, in the long, in the long view, um, we know that the better, better job we do in terms of feeding, feeding dogs, um, and, and training dogs and so, sort of selecting the, the right genetics is going to, you know, increase our chances of having a dog that's going to be with us for a long time and perform for us in the field. With that, I don't, I know that every, you know, every setter that I had, not, you know, not every one of them has been able to, to still hunt at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, but I do feel like that, uh, you know, good nutrition is, is part of the reason that she still is able to hunt it at, at, uh, at, at 15, um, you know, but it does in terms of, of good quality nutrition is going to, to maximize or basically increase our odds being able to enjoy our companions for as long as a period as we can in terms of being out in the field. But with that, if we're, if we're talking about, a you know, a, a, a a dog that's not really doing much. We want that dog to, to, to be around as, as our, our pets as long as possible. But certainly we know that, um, you know, the, the level of nutritional requirements for those dogs are far, 
far less than, than dogs that are physically active out in the field. I mean, Absolutely. You know, if we think about, you know, if we think about the, the, the big difference of, uh, you know, a pet, a pet dog using, you know, a thousand calories a day versus a, you know, a, a dog that's out in the field that's, that's, you know, burning three or 4,000 calories a day. There's a big difference in terms of the amount of nutrition nutrients that are flowing through that, through that dog system. And, uh, you know, long-term it's going to, to pay off. I mean, and I think we all want them to be as healthy and last and be able to, to uh, you know, accompany us as long as they can. Absolutely. Nope. I agree. It's the same way with us. You may not see it tomorrow if you start eating right today, but eventually you will and uh, you'll get the health benefits in the long run. So if you look at it from that perspective, if it works for us, it'll work for, for the dogs. And it just goes back to that saying garbage in garbage out. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's never, you know, I'm going to say it's never too late to start providing good nutrition. You may not get the same benefits if you started a dog that's 10 as you would have, if, you know, you started it when it was three months old. Uh, but it is, you know, the, today is the right time to start thinking about what is proper nutrition look like. Right. Nope. Makes sense to me. Well, Russ, I appreciate it. You coming on, making time and talking to, to all us, uh, average dog owners about nutrition and what to look for. And hopefully, you know, people can go into that, that, uh, aisle in the market and have a little bit better idea of what they should be looking for and, uh, and not just fall for the, uh, the bag with the prettiest label or the bag with their dog breed on it. Maybe they'll, they'll have a better plan in the long run. Yeah, it's, well, it's certainly been a pleasure to, to uh, join you this afternoon, Nick, and uh, I hope that the information was helpful. Yes, sir, it was. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll check back with you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.